You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift Welcome back to Cross Section. I'm Kevin Jensen. Glad you're with us. We've got for you today another episode of The In Between, Section 5B, Micaiah's Vision of God's Throne Room. The In-Between is our Wednesday Bible study for senior adults and friends on that in-between spiritual realm between us and God, the realm of angels, demons, the devil, heavenly and dark powers, and the spirits of the dead between death and resurrection. Today we're looking at stories from the books of First and Second Kings from the 800s BC in the time of the prophet Elijah, looking at an appearance of an angel uh, to the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Who knew that angels could cook? But there it is. Or did he cook at all? How did he provide that food? Have to wait and see. And then the uh, story of the prophet Micaiah in his interaction with King Ahab of Israel and Micaiah's report of a vision that he saw of God's throne room and the heavenly conversation going on there between God and some unnamed spirits. Were they angels? We don't know. Uh, One of them said he would be a deceiving spirit. What's that all about? Interesting story. And then also from 2 Kings chapter 1, a brief uh, mention of the angel of the Lord and a couple of communications to Elijah as he's giving Elijah instructions from God. That's the plan for today. Uh, We had some technical difficulties in this recording, especially right at the beginning. Uh, And so I I hope that doesn't interfere too much. We tried to trim most of those out in the editing. But I hope you enjoy the lesson. Thanks again uh, for joining us today. All right. So today we're going to be looking at some lessons or uh, stories from First and Second Kings, uh, if we uh, we have time to make it to Second Kings. And these are stories that focus around uh, the prophets Elijah and Elisha in the mid-800s B.C., so we're looking at about 800 years before Jesus and about uh, four to 600 years after Moses, about 1,000 years after Abraham. So just to give you a sense for where this, uh, where these stories come up, the um, overall uh, story of, of the Bible. So I'm still hearing a little bit of echo, and I'm, I'm sorry about that. That's, that's frustrating. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and mute all here. So, uh, again, background for, uh, for this section. Uh, King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, had really promoted Baal worship in Israel. Jezebel was uh, originally from outside of Israel, and she uh, promoted uh, Baal worship heavily, really sponsored it. Uh, there were hundreds of prophets of Baal in Israel in their time. This is the northern part of Israel, not Judah in the south. Remember, the kingdom is divided at this time. Uh, And Elijah has had this contest with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel in northern Israel. And in that uh, contest, both sides set up an altar to their God, offered a sacrifice, but didn't light the fire, but called on their God to send down fire to consume the sacrifice. And the prophets of Baal had all day and nothing happened. Elijah prayed to the Lord once, and God sent fire down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, and the altar uh, also, and the people of Israel were so amazed, they cried out, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. They went out and slaughtered the prophets of Baal. Uh, What they're doing is purifying their nation so that uh, they um, can return to faithfulness to God. And Jezebel is furious about this, as we find out. And so that's where this uh, story begins. So 1 Kings 19 and verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Beersheba is in the far southern end uh, of Judah. So he's, uh, he's fleeing to the south. He's gone out of Israel now into Judah. He's even uh, almost all the way through Judah, heading north to south. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. 
I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Have you ever felt like that? Lord, I've just had enough. I'm just ready to be done. And that's where he's at this day. This, uh, uh, sometimes people say uh, Elijah was suffering from depression here. And that's possible. Um, hard, to, hard to diagnose it with as little information as we have, but uh, at least he is, he is in despair. He's uh, very frustrated. He's thinking, my, my work hasn't been worth anything. Um, Jezebel still has all this power, and she's out to kill me. And uh, he'll tell God later, they, they've killed all the prophets. I'm the last one. What's the point? Okay, so then uh, verse five, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel, there's our angel in this story. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Uh, Horeb's other name is Sinai. This is Mount Sinai. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Okay, so just that little bit. The next, uh, next scene, he has a conversation with God uh, there at the cave, and God sends him back to work and gives him some help and a mission. Uh, tells him to go call Elisha to um, follow and assist him. Elisha will become Elijah's successor as uh, sort of the lead prophet uh, of Israel and Judah. Um, but let's take a look at what this uh, angel does. Who knew that angels could cook? Angels can cook. There's our lesson for today. Angels can cook. Uh, this angel touches Elijah and says, get up and eat. Elijah looks and there by his head is some bread baked over hot coals. So the angel must have lit a fire, baked some bread for him, got him a jar of water. I don't know where the angel got the jar, but angels are resourceful, apparently. Uh, and then Elijah, um, he eats, he drinks, he lies back down again, he's exhausted. Uh, and then the angel eventually wakes him up again, has him eat and drink uh, again, because he has a big journey to go on. And then after Elijah eats and drinks, it sounds like uh, that food sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached uh, Mount Sinai, uh, Horeb, the mountain of God, the mountain where God had uh, given his law to Israel. And then uh, Elijah is going to meet with God there. Okay, uh, I know you're muted at the moment, but um, if you want to unmute yourself, uh, do you have any, any thoughts on this story, anything that's... Uh, Stands out to you about it? Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I got to say this. That angel must have been a woman because it did the cooking. <laughs> a lot of men don't know how to cook. But I thought I, that that was not, that was just a joke. I'm sorry, a little bit lighthearted <laughs> for Elijah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Sherry? It says that he he provided food. It doesn't say that he actually, the angel actually prepared it. So somehow miraculously, he provides this food and water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, Kevin said he must have cooked. <laughs> the reason I said that um, is uh, I know, I know, I know. verse five, verse six, I'm sorry. Uh, there by his head was some bread baked over. Sounds like the angel baked it over the fire. Uh, but I do not, uh, I, I do not for that reason think that there's not a miracle here. Yeah, there does seem to be something miraculous uh, going on here. Zay? bread and manna. Difference between manna and bread. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the diff what is the difference between manna and bread? So, right. Yeah. Uh, so the manna appeared miraculously on the ground. Uh, and um, it, uh, it would appear every morning except on the Sabbath. 
and people would go out and collect it and then they could use it to make bread. Uh, but it, um, but you could just eat it straight too, apparently. It tasted like honey with uh, maybe some coriander in there, which is the seed of the cilantro plant. Uh, but um, normal bread was usually made out of wheat or barley, something like that. Um, so it's just a, just a question of uh, where did it start from? They, they grew the materials, the, the uh, ingredients for their normal bread, uh, but uh, manna just appeared on the ground miraculously. Of course, that stopped when, they, when the Israelites entered the Promised Land. Uh, if I remember right, the day that they crossed the Jordan River and came into the Promised Land, the manna didn't appear anymore. From then on, they, they started getting their food from the uh, crops uh, grown in that land. So, yeah, good question. Um, especially since we read that passage uh, from Psalm 78 recently that talked about uh, manna as the bread of angels. And here the angel brings bread. Doesn't say what the bread's made out of. Could it be manna bread? I don't know. Maybe. Or could it be wheat bread? I don't know. Yeah, good, good questions, eh? Anybody else before we move on? Georgia? So I'm thinking that he made the bread or however he had it, but then he probably had some to carry over to the next time. So there yeah. was no mention of hot coals that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe uh, maybe this is a, a biblical instance of people eating leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe he only cooked the once. Uh, we don't know for sure. But uh, in any case, uh, we have God providing here for his prophet uh, through the intercession of an angel and the assistance of an angel. And well, we, that's something we can watch for later on also to see where angels uh, might be helpful uh, to a person in a physical way. Angels certainly understand that people need food to eat, you know, that people are physical creatures. Uh, Richard Monica? Um, yes, I'd like to say that the angel seemed very uh, tender. He touched him mm. when he was sleeping rather than say something to him and spook him. He mm. touched him twice. Mm -hmm. And the food that he provided or that was provided must have been pretty sustainable because he was able to go 40 days after that. Yeah. Unless yeah. he ate something that we don't know about. Uh-huh. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, reminds me of uh, in Lord of the Rings, um, when uh, Frodo and Sam are taking the ring to Mount Doom, they eat the bread of the elves. It's called Lembus bread. And, and you can eat just a little tiny bit and it fills you up and it carries you a long way. This is even better. <laughs> Two meals and he goes 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah, this is, this is, there's something miraculous about this food. Um, and it's not just that an angel is the one who cooked it or prepared it, however he did it. Yeah. Good. Any other thoughts? Okay. All right. So uh, another snapshot of angelic activity, how angels, uh, Inter interact with humans uh, or could and another indication that God cares about his people and so he sends this angel to help uh, Elijah. Let's go to the next story. The next one is um, my wife's favorite story of a prophet. Uh, one of her favorite stories in the whole Bible. Micaiah's vision of God's throne and uh, what we get here is uh, a a uh, somewhat lengthy story of um, affairs in the court of King Ahab, king of Israel, after God has struggled and struggled and struggled with Ahab. Sometimes Ahab has done evil, just horrible evil, prompted often by his wife Jezebel, uh, but he goes along with it. And then uh, sometimes um, he repents, and God is patient with him, uh, and then he turns back away from God again, and we're in a turning back phase uh, here, and God is, is beginning to grow weary of Ahab, as, as we will see. Uh, the other main character, uh, royal character in this story is Jehoshaphat, uh, king of Judah. So Ahab, king of Israel in the north, Jehoshaphat, king of Israel, uh, of Judah in the south, the southern part of Israel. Uh, and then we have this prophet Micaiah who shows up, and he has... Uh, a story about um, what he has experienced. He has seen a vision of God's throne and what happens there is fascinating and very interesting as we think about how God interacts with people and what role angels and spirits might play in that interaction. 
So it doesn't answer a lot of questions. It does bring up some interesting ones. Let's go ahead and take a look. This story is in uh, 2 Chronicles 18, but we're going to read it out of 1 Kings 22. It's uh, pretty much just the same in 2 Chronicles. So 1 Kings 22, beginning in verse 1. For three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. Aram was the country immediately to the north of Israel at this time, uh, where Syria is today, Syria, Lebanon, that area. Uh, in fact, they had the same capital city. Damascus was the capital of Aram and is now the capital of Syria. Verse 2, but in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel has said to his officials, don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and yet we're doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram? Ramoth Gilead was uh, an area in the northeast part of Israel uh, that had been captured by the Arameans. And so Ahab says, hey, that's really ours. Why don't we go do something to take it back? So verse four, so he asked Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? So they're going to try to recapture what was once Israel's territory. Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. So he's, he's ready to go and join in the fight. Uh, they're going to be allies in this, this uh, conflict. Verse 5, but Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. So let's ask God about this first. Let's see what God wants. That's always wise. Verse 6, so the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? So something interesting is going on here. We have 400 prophets, but uh, Jehoshaphat doesn't seem to trust any of them. He doesn't seem to think that they're actually from God, uh, that they're prophets of some other gods or they're not official prophets or something. He's, he, he questions their credibility as prophets of God. Now, all of them say, Go ahead and go to battle because the Lord will give this land into the king's hand. You're going to be victorious. Everything's going to be well. All right. Then the plot thickens. Jehoshaphat asked for a legitimate prophet of the Lord. So verse 8, the king of Israel, that's Ahab, answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. Darlene, I see you laughing, and I feel the same way. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. I feel the same way. Uh, I don't like him because he never prophesies anything good about me. Well, that's because God didn't see much good in Ahab. Uh, if Ahab changed his heart, it might have might have been different. Uh, the king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. Verse 9, so the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah son of Imla at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Canaanah, had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says. With these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. So he's obviously prophesying Israel's victory. Verse 12, all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, look, the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. Isn't that interesting? You've got somebody in the king's court who goes to fetch the prophet and has the audacity to tell the prophet what to say. And so there's, you've got, you've got some corruption here uh, where uh, there's, there's not this full sense that um, we need to be faithful to the commands of God and the instruction of God. In this case, we're trying to manipulate the instruction of God to make it be what we want it to be. Let your word uh, match with theirs, agree with theirs, and speak favorably. You know, give the king the answer he wants. Uh, but you have to respect Micaiah's integrity, because in verse 14 it says, but Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or not? Attack and be victorious, he said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. 
So he does seem to agree with the other prophets, but there must be something about his tone. Verse 16, the king said to him, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And so then we get into the real uh, message from God. Verse 17, then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. Now, this is kind of an idiom for they lost in battle. Uh, sheep scattered on the hills like uh, people scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. There's no guidance. Their king is gone. Their leadership is gone. The people have scattered. Armies to be victorious need to stay in formation. They need to stay tight together, uh, be right there together uh, with each other to be a powerful force. If they're scattered, they're weak, they're in dis disarray. Um, that's what Micah, uh, Micaiah foresees. Uh, these people will uh, lose their battle and will um, uh, return home uh, having been defeated. Verse 18, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? Micaiah continued, and this is where it gets interesting for our purposes. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this and another that. Finally, a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord uh, and said, I will entice him. By what means, the Lord asked. I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all his prophets, he said. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, son of Canaan, went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Which way did the spirit from the Lord go when he went from me to speak to you? He asked. Micaiah replied, you will find out on the day you go to hide in an inner room, uh, which translated means on the day when, uh, when Israel is defeated and you have to hide for safety, you'll know for sure that this word came from the Lord. The king of Israel then ordered, Take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, this is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. Micaiah declared, if you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, mark my words, all you people. And I think the reason that this story has been preserved for us in scripture is because it turns out that Micaiah was right. Uh, and Ahab is killed uh, in the battle, Jehoshaphat escapes, but Ahab uh, is killed. Okay, what do we learn about the heavenly realm here? The um, the the realm of uh, uh, that's in between us and God, the realm of spirits and angels and such. Uh, what do we what do we see in that realm here? I see that even though God is in control of everything, He does allow deceit, which kind of amazes me because everything good that comes from God. But here he allows deceit. What What is that, Kevin? Yeah, that's the uncomfortable part of this story, right? Yeah. That um, somehow God is uh, allowing um, a spirit that has been in his presence to go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of Ahab's prophets so as to persuade him that, yes, you're going to be victorious if you go into battle. Yeah, that's that is uncomfortable. What do you what do you all think of that? Ahab still had freedom. He could have listened to Micaiah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, this is not a deceiving spirit that's going to force him to do something. It's it's going to place an idea in the mouths of his prophets. It happens to be the idea that Ahab wants to hear, but he he has right. a choice. He can and there is an alternative perspective, and he could listen to Micaiah instead. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Anybody else? Any thoughts? Yeah, Monica. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. The spirit that said, I have an idea, and then he okayed it with God. God allowed it, but the spirit is the one who did it, if I yeah. understand that correctly. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it too, Monica. That's that's what I see happening here. Uh, the Lord says, um, uh, how, does, how does the Lord begin? He says, 
Uh, verse 20, and the Lord said, who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? Uh, which is interesting. Why doesn't the Lord, if the Lord wants Ahab dead, why doesn't he just strike him down with lightning or disease? You know, God could do that. And he did sometimes. He did send diseases on people uh, uh, on a few occasions to bring judgment on them. Um, but he doesn't do that here. Monica? Well, like Richard said, he did give Ahab a chance. Ahab had a second chance to make his own decision, and he was drawn into the evil. Yeah, yeah, he had a second chance. He kind of made his decision already, tries to get Jehoshaphat to come. Jehoshaphat says, yeah, I'll come, uh, but let's ask the Lord first. And through Micaiah, God gives Ahab a second chance, and he doesn't, doesn't take it. Yeah, doesn't take it, which reveals his, his heart and his character. Yeah, Richard, and then I think Karen had a thought, too. It does seem that Ahab is is the one the Lord's after because uh, Jehoshaphat, if he had really wanted to have been true to the Lord, as soon as Micaiah said, you're going to get defeated, he would have backed out. He did not back out, but yet the Lord allowed him to live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. And so Ahab does seem to be the one the Lord is after. Jehoshaphat, up to this point, has been a good king. He's, he's been pretty faithful to God, but he made some mistakes in his um, relationship with God. And one of those mistakes was allying himself with uh, King Ahab, Queen Jezebel. Uh, he did too much of that. And that ended up uh, bringing um, harm to his family and to Judah in the years to come. Uh, but he does escape here. God uh, um, sees fit to... Uh, spare him. Karen, you had a thought a minute ago, I think. Yes, that it, um, the passage doesn't really say if the spirit was evil or a good spirit. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, it doesn't say it was an angel, just a spirit. Yeah. And so we've learned in past lessons in this class that every um, every spirit, angel, evil bows to the Lord. And so this spirit, good or bad, has to go to the Lord to ask, right? Mm, mm. Mm, that's well said. That's well said. And I like how you connected that to what we've learned previously. And yeah, you're right. Um, we are not told, is this a good spirit or an evil spirit? Uh, it's not clear that it's an angel. It might be. I mean, we know angels are spirits. Um, uh, the book of Hebrews, um, the end of chapter one says um, uh, angels are ministering spirits sent to serve God's people. Uh, but this may be some other kind of spirit, if there are other kinds of spirits. Uh, and in any case, uh, this spirit can only act by the permission of the Lord. Uh, like you pointed out. And we saw that um, first in the book of Job, which we looked at uh, quite a while back, when in the first two chapters, the devil is uh, gathered together with the angels uh, in the presence of God, and um, God engages him in conversation and, and uh, grants the devil permission to go out and do harm to Job in order to test his faith. But, but Satan is not allowed to do it without God's permission, and God puts limits on what Satan is allowed to do. And we may have something uh, similar here, a good spirit or evil. Uh, either way, he's going to become a, a he, it. I don't know if spirits have gender, probably not. That uh, it's going to be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of Ahab's prophets. Uh, so it's going to uh, use deception as its tool to entice Ahab to go to his uh, doom in uh, this battle. Richard? And... and that's kind of a key too. the deceiving spirit doesn't attack Ahab directly. He puts it in the mind of his prophets to mm -hmm. say these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which makes you wonder what kind of uh, uh, makes you wonder a couple of things. Um, you know, how might God communicate to us today? Well, uh, I think even through the Holy Spirit, he might speak to us through other people. Um, just like this spirit speaks to Ahab through these prophets, through other people. And another question, um, I just had it and I, I lost it, but it'll, it'll come back in a minute. <laughs> it's old age. It's old age. That's all it is. 
Oh, yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> uh, Francis, did you have a thought a minute ago? No, okay. All right. I, I thought I saw a hand up. Sorry about that. Okay. Is there anybody else had a thought? Okay. All right, if one comes up, go ahead and unmute yourself and, and speak up, that's fine. Uh, one of the questions I put on the uh, worksheet, um, it's the uh, second, well, it's the bullet under 1 Kings 22, 1 to 28. Uh, I ask in there, why did the Lord even make this heavenly conversation known to Micaiah and through him to King Ahab? I mean, it's one thing for God to have this conversation with spirits, or angels, whoever. Um, it's another thing to make this uh, conversation um, visible, um, audible to the prophet, who then can communicate it to the king. Why would God invite Micaiah in to witness this conversation uh, and then allow him to share this with the king? What do you think? God could have kept it hidden, you know. Yeah, Richard. God, in my opinion, God wanted Ahab to see both sides of the story. Mm. 400 prophets arguing this point and Micaiah saying, this is what I have seen. And to me, the fact that Ahab would not listen to this story just shows you how far off he was. Mm -hmm. He wasn't interested in truly knowing the truth. Yeah. Yeah. He hears the story, but he has no interest in obeying its message. He, he doesn't want to know the truth. Yeah. Ahab wanted a yes man. Mm. And uh, Micaiah wasn't one. Yeah. Which is why he didn't like Micaiah. Right. Yeah. And some, some leaders are like that. You know, some leaders only want to surround themselves with people who uh, already agree with them. And wiser leaders, I think, surround themselves with people who are wise, whether they agree or not, uh, or who have, uh, you know, good relationship with God and can speak from that. Yeah, yeah Ahab wanted a yes man. And that messenger who went to go get Micaiah uh, appears to have known that and is trying to urge Micaiah, hey, you know, it's going to go better for you if you go ahead and agree with the king, with his prophets. And everybody else is saying this, you go ahead and say this too, and Micaiah just won't do it. Uh, he will speak uh, the genuine word of God. Yeah. This is this is a fascinating story. My wife likes it for the uh, the dry humor uh, within it. You know, especially the uh, the part where um, oh, let me go back here just a little bit uh, uh, where Micaiah says, "Attack and be victorious, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand." And the king says, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So you see Micaiah uh, teasing, um, poking fun at the king a little bit, but in a very serious sort of way, uh, right? Um, to indicate, uh, look, I'm not going to just say what everybody else says. Maybe also he's saying to uh, the king, hey, I, I know what you want to hear. So this is what you want to hear. But mm -hmm. the king tells him more or less no that's not what i want to hear i want you to tell me the truth mm, mm, well which said is kind of odd mm -hmm. yeah yeah well said yeah the king well, does I, want to hear the truth but but then again he doesn't listen to it and so i like 25 i like 25 kevin okay where Micaiah says and you will find out on the day that you go <laughs> and hide you will find out later yeah. you know yeah. Otherwise, I'm tired of talking about it. Now you're going to find it out. That's right. That's right. And and then you're going to wish that you had listened to the Lord. Amen. That happened. Yeah. Um, man, what a shame for people to have to learn the hard way, right? Because sometimes by that time, it's too late. It's too late. A lot of, a lot of soldiers have been killed. Ahab was killed. Um, you know, there was a lot of destruction. Where if Ahab had listened to the Lord, it would have gone a lot better for everyone. Richard? That, that 24th verse, mm -hmm. because we know the story uh, that Micaiah passes on, we can understand it, but it just says, the Zedekiah son of 
I'm not like you, I can't pronounce things like that, <laughs> went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Which way did the spirit from the Lord go when he went from me to speak to you? The spirit spoke to Zedekiah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Is that to me, Zedekiah here saying, Hey, the Lord talked to me. Why did he change his mind? Yeah. That is scary. That is scary. Yeah. Yeah, that is scary. Which I suppose is, is uh, um, you know, just gives a little depth of insight into what God's trying to do here. On the one hand, uh, God says, you know what, let's, let's entice Ahab to his death. It's time for him to be done. Time for his reign to be done. But then God, at the same time, gives him a second chance. Gives him one last chance uh, through Micaiah. Um, probably because of Jehoshaphat. Probably without Jehoshaphat's intervention, this, this second chance wouldn't have come about. But because Jehoshaphat says, well, let's talk to a, a real prophet of the Lord, uh, they go ahead and bring in Micaiah. And so because of that, God gives Ahab one last chance. Hey, let me tell you how things have gone in my throne room, the conversation that we had. Um, here's what our plan is. We'll just make it known to you. Uh, if you, you reject it, then that's, you know, that was your last chance. Uh, so then it's, then it's too late. And I'm, I'm fascinated too by uh, just this little glimpse of how um, God might make decisions, um, how he might decide what to do next. He, uh, he is free to not just decree if he wants to. He can ask his angels, um, spirits around his throne, uh, what, uh, what ideas they have. And that's really interesting to me. And, and I wonder if maybe God does that with us sometimes too. I wonder if God might say sometimes, you know, we might pray, God, just show me what to do. Lead me in the way you want me to go. And, uh, and that's good. That's good. And God may have a certain way he wants us to go. But sometimes God might say, uh, you know, I want to work with you on this. What do you think we should do? Um, just like we might do with our children or grandchildren, you know, you're building something with your grandchild and, and uh, they, they could just lean on you to decide how it's going to be put together. But you might say, well, how do you want to do it? And so then they, they get to give an idea and uh, you work on it together, you know, and they get some input. Maybe God does that with the, uh, the heavenly beings around his throne too. Darlene? Well, that just reminds me of what, when we get to heaven, he said, we as humans, when we get to heaven, we'll be judging. We will be making decisions. Yeah. So maybe this is a training yeah. <laughs> and yeah. training for us. Yeah, that may be. That's why it was wrote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That may be. I think, I think God does give us some responsibility in this life so that we'll be ready for the responsibility that's to come in the life that is to come. Yeah, which is a fascinating thought. I, I don't know what that's going to be all about, but I'm, I'm excited, though. It's, it's, uh, Me too. It'll be interesting. But you're right. Uh, Paul says in um, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, I think it is, first he says, um, the Christians will judge the world. And then he says, don't you know that we will judge angels? Yeah. You know, and, and it wow. may be that some of the uh, difficulties that we have to work through in this life are intended to prepare us to be equipped to, um, to judge um, rightly in the life that is to come. So, I don't know, just some speculation there, just guessing. Any other thoughts on Micaiah? Okay. All right, let's go on to uh, one more story since we got such a late start. Let's do one more. Uh, won't take us long. Uh, this one is from 2 Kings chapter 1, so we're getting into 2 Kings a little bit. The angel of the Lord speaks to Elijah. Just a couple brief glimpses of the angel of the Lord here. So Ahab has been killed in battle. His son has taken the throne of Israel. So chapter 1, verse 1. After Ahab's death, Moab, that's a nation to the east and a little bit south of Israel across the Jordan River, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah... That's the new king, uh, Ahab's son. Now Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and injured himself. So he sent messengers saying to them, go and consult Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this injury. And if, uh, if in the name ba Baal-zebub, uh, you hear Beelzebub, yeah, there's a connection there. 
Um, Beelzebub, by the New Testament time, has become another name for Satan. At this time, Beelzebub uh, is um, the name of one of the Baals. There were a bunch of Baals. Sometimes they just said Baal. Sometimes they mentioned a certain Baal uh, from a certain city or, or a certain uh, region. Uh, and Ahaziah wants to consult this particular god, the god of Ekron, to see if he will recover from his injury. So verse 3, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going off to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. So Elijah went. When the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, Why have you come back? A man came to meet us, they replied. And he said to us, Go back to the king who sent you and tell him, This is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending messengers to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore you will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. The king asked them, What kind of man was it who came to meet you and told you this? They replied, he had a garment of hair and had a leather belt around his waist. The king said, that was Elisha the Tishbite. Uh, Elijah, excuse me, that was Elijah the Tishbite. Then he sent to Elijah a captain with his company of 50 men. The captain went up to Elijah who was sitting on the top of a hill and said to him, man of God, the king says, come down. Elijah answered the captain, if I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. Not a good day for them. <laughs> Verse 11, at this, the king sent to Elijah another captain with his 50 men. The captain said to him, man of God, this is what the king says. Come down at once. If I am a man of God, Elijah replied, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. So another bad day for the forces of the king. <laughs> Verse 13, so the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. Wouldn't you want to be that captain? <laughs> this third captain went up and fell on his knees before Elijah. Man of God, he begged, please have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. See, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all their men, but now have respect for my life. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. He told the king, this is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult that you have sent messengers to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. So he died, according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Because Ahaziah had no son, Joram, I believe that's his brother, succeeded him as king in the second year of Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. As for all the other events of Ahaziah's reign and what he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? So this is the story of the death of King Ahaziah, Ahab's son, who, like his parents, does not worship God, but worships, uh, in this case, one of the Baals, Baalzebub. Uh, and the angel of the Lord appears a couple of times here. Uh, first, to say to Elijah, uh, go and meet the king's messengers and ask them, why are you consult, uh, ask them to, to say to the king, why are you consulting this other god instead of the god of Israel? Um, and Elijah does do what the angel said to him. Uh, and that brings up a question for me. Um, how, did, how did the angel talk to Elijah? Did the angel appear to Elijah? Did they have a conversation? Did Elijah hear a voice from heaven or a voice in his head and he knows it's God's angel? I mean, I wish we had more information. We just, we don't know. How did the angel uh, communicate to Elijah? You know, we just, it just doesn't say. And then the second time the angel of the Lord appears is after these three confrontations uh, between the captains and their 50 men, um, and Elijah, the first two um, confrontations end badly for the uh, officer and soldiers. Um, God shows his support for Elijah by sending down fire from heaven. 
The uh, first guy, I can understand he'd be caught by surprise. The second guy maybe should have known better. The third guy, thank goodness, he did know better. Uh, he understood what had happened. He had gotten the information he needed. He processed it, uh, recognized the power of God at work here, and uh, asked Elijah to have mercy. And uh, Elijah hears from the angel of the Lord that um, it's safe to go with this guy. Go ahead and go with him. Don't be afraid. Now, in verse 15, when the angel of the Lord says to Elijah, go down with him, do not be afraid of him, you get the impression that that happens really fast in the middle of the conversation between the captain and Elijah. And so I'm imagining there that we don't have an appearance of the angel of the Lord, where Elijah uh, suddenly sees the angel of the Lord appear, and the angel says, go ahead and go with this guy. Maybe he does. Maybe he does appear. Maybe he was already there. Elijah could see him, and the other guy couldn't. That's possible. We'll see in, in the stories of Elisha that uh, there are times when one person might see an angel but, or a group of angels, but another might not. Uh, so it's possible, um, but it's also possible that he just uh, speaks to him without taking on a visual form that Elijah can see. He may just speak to Elijah in his mind or, or something like that. So Elijah hears him, but the captain does not. Uh, and, the, and Elijah hears him say, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he goes, goes ahead and goes, brings his message to the king, and it comes to pass because it, it is indeed from God. So, so just a little... Um, uh, communication between the angel of the Lord and Elijah makes you wonder how often did a great prophet like Elijah hear from uh, angels uh, with most people. It's rare, if ever, that you would hear from an angel. But uh, with Elijah, maybe it was more common because of his role as God's prophet uh, and the communication that he needed to receive from the Lord. So any thoughts on uh, this appearance of the, the angel uh, to Elijah? My only thought is I'm sure glad I didn't join that army. <laughs> you know, it, even in today's when our boys are sent over and God judges and, and all of a sudden, the whole, everybody's wiped out. Even the poor soldiers that joined that might have been Christians, but their loyalty had to belong to their leader. Yeah, that, That's scary as far as war is concerned. It is. It is. War is a scary thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of a lot of innocent people can be killed in military conflicts of, of any sort. Yeah. Yeah. And and here too, here too, some of those soldiers may have been really, you know, pretty innocent. Um, they may have just not known better. They may have just uh, been connected to the wrong captain. Um, yeah. But they uh, have to follow orders. Yeah, they represent the the authority and power of the king, and God's just not going to allow the king to push his prophet around. Right. Um, just, just isn't going to allow that in this situation. I just there. felt sorry for them. Absolutely, darling. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Kevin, you yep. put a picture down here at the bottom that kind of amazed me. It showed the third coming up on this bag of bones okay. laying among their, yeah. their yeah. war vests. Right. I mean, these are skeletons and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's no comic book thing you got there. It's but not. I don't know where you get your pictures from, but that's kind of outstanding. Maybe, maybe we take that one out next time, right? Maybe okay. we take that one out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a pretty picture. In fact, let's move on no. past it. There we go. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's not a pretty picture. It reminds us that, uh, you know, this is serious. When, yeah. when God brings judgment on people, it's a serious thing. Yeah, it's not pretty. Anybody else before we wrap up? Okay, so uh, a few things we've learned today. Um, one, angels can cook, <laughs> or, or at least they can, uh, they can provide food, however they might do that. We don't know if the angel actually cooked it or not. It might have looked like he did, um, but he did provide for Elijah. Um, God cares about his people. He cares about his prophet. Uh, God is able to provide for his people in a myriad of ways, one of which is through the intervention of, a, of an angel, uh, if God sees fit to do, do so that way. Uh, another lesson is um, even if, um, you know, when you're making a decision, even if uh, the person who speaks on behalf of God is outvoted, listen to the voice of God. Uh, God uh, spoke through Micaiah. Micaiah was outvoted uh, by a huge number, uh, and yet it was his word that was correct because it was his word that truly came from God. 
don't listen to every spirit that's out there. Um, some, some spirits will try to deceive um, as that spirit that spoke to the other prophets did. Uh, in the New Testament, it's written, um, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Um, that's good practice for us in everything, um, in everything we hear and uh, the information we get about decisions that we need to make. Um, always uh, go back to God and, uh, and seek his will and his wisdom. Don't let your um, predisposition get in the way. Uh, that's hard for us sometimes, but um, so important to, uh, to try to look to God as much as possible for our guidance. Uh, and then um, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the story of these uh, captains with their 50 men, um, boy, better to humble yourself before the prophet of God uh, or we might say uh, just before God than to try to defy his authority. Um, it, it turns out better for us if we, um, if we honor his authority to begin with uh, and uh, respect um, the prophet of God in this case, respect God's word. Uh, things go better. And the angel of the Lord, you know, kind of um, his presence here kind of confirms that as he guides Elijah. Uh, and God knows how to guide us, too. He knows how to speak to us, uh, maybe through an angel, maybe through uh, other people, uh, whatever it might be, certainly through his spirit and by various means. He knows how to guide us if we're open to listening. And Elijah was, Ahab was not, um, but Elijah was, and it, it went better for him. So. Okay. All right, so next time, let's pick up um, at the bottom of the uh, first page of the Section 5 worksheet with uh, 2 Kings 2. Uh, this is the story of when Elijah is taken up into heaven, uh, chariots of fire, uh, chariots and, and horses of fire. Um, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what happened there. We'll talk about uh, how we're to understand that and uh, whether we're seeing angelic beings there or not. Uh, and then we'll go on from there uh, into another passage from Second uh, Kings, wonderful story of, of the prophet Elisha, one of my favorites uh, from uh, the time of Elisha, where he sees uh, more chariots of fire, more chariots and horsemen of fire. Uh, and then a couple of stories after that from the book of Isaiah, uh, one, one a, a story involving a vision, uh, and then the second one, just a message from Isaiah to uh, his people warning against consulting mediums and spiritists. Uh, so that's where we're headed, and that will uh, finish up Section 5, so we'll, we'll work on those stories uh, uh, as we uh, begin next week. All right, with that, let's, uh, let's go ahead and close up. Uh, Richard, would you mind uh, leading us in prayer uh, sure. again today? Thanks. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity that we have had to assemble with our loved ones and study a portion of your word. Help us to realize that part of the importance of the stories of the Old Testament to us today is we see your reaction to mankind when we are obedient to you, and we also see your reaction when we reject you. We pray that you would go with each of us through the rest of this week. Again, we pray for all those that need our prayers for whatever reason. Let us take advantage of every opportunity to do good that you set before us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>